0: Greetings and salutations, everyone. Christ is risen from the dead. This should be released on Monday, April 20th, 2020. In other words, 420, 2020. Um, Excuse me if you hear me sniffling, it's not the Rona. I'm recording this on Easter Sunday, on Pascha, and Fasica, on the Feast of Feasts, on Resurrection, on Tinsa'i, on Mennasad, and I've been hearing Christ is risen, truly he's risen, in English, in modern standard Arabic, in Slavonic, in Guz, in Amharic, in Tigrinya, in Afan-Oromo. I'm waiting for the Spanish, and it's, uh, you know, I've, I've held it together for a while, but there's there's just something about this central feast, this first amongst all the holidays that the church instituted that, that gets me. It's so central to our faith. Anyway, I should be recording a teaching on the scroll of Jacob or James chapter 2. So in general, I want to advise you to pray for the revelation of his mystery, which is his consistent message the new testament is generally very plain where the new testament is not plain i encourage you to look for the different commentaries of the fathers over time especially for those of you who can understand or find the writings of the ethiopian exegesis and the antiochian exegesis or the syriac exegesis i really encourage those methods of biblical interpretation that find the context of the message and try to use misaleuch or mashal or illustrations to paint that message in the minds of the hearers. So anyway, God loves you and he wants you to love everyone. He's given you a second chance. Keep that in mind as you read every passage of scripture. So today is James chapter 2 or Jacob 2, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version today. Verses one to seven. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Or if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come up in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand there. Or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and also become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? So here in verses 1 to 7, we have this noble name, this regal name, this kingly name, which is God's name, which is his presence in the Old Testament, by which we were called by the Holy Scriptures, which were read aloud and called us. We have this exhortation, this admonishment, this rebuking that we are abused regularly by corporate powers by the wealthy, by the affluent in the courts of Caesar. In Corinthians, we hear Paul talking about how we shouldn't even be using the courts of Caesar's, but using our own courts. And here we have Jacob rebuking his people, Israel, or the Israelites or the Jews, to watch out, watch out for the rich who are abusing and do not show partiality. Do not show bias. Do not show favoritism. We have to ask ourselves, do we let in all the poor people and not the rich? Or do we let in all the rich people and not the poor? We have to examine ourselves and how we behave in our own parish. Who has the honor? Who has the status? Who has the privilege? Are we looking at honor, status, and privilege from an earthly point of view or from a heavenly point of view? And hypothetically speaking, for those of us of the good right, if Beyonce were to come and visit our parish, would we sit her at the right hand of the patriarch? Or would we treat her the same way we would treat a random homeless person who's wandering into our south central parish? We have to ask ourselves that question and see if we're responding in the right way that Jacob is asking us to. Verses 8 to 13. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. So here again, he's pushing the point of nobility, of regality, of royal, of royalness, of kingship. Christ is king. And so his law is a kingly law. It's a kingly edict. In the United States of America, we have presidents with executive orders. So imagine the executive order of Jesus Christ, which supersedes the other legislation, which is a greater fulfillment of that legislation is to love your neighbor as yourself. But Jacob makes it plain. He makes it clear. You are wrong if you mess up even in one thing. So we cannot self-aggrandize. We can't make ourselves big. We have to make ourselves small. We have to belittle ourselves. I'll give you two analogies here. Imagine you're playing the, the the game called Jenga. If you pull the little wooden blocks, one of those blocks eventually will make everything else collapse. I've been to some eating establishments here in Los Angeles that have giant Jenga. So you can see it even better. You can see what a mess is made when everything crumbles, when every, when all, all the pieces fall down. So that is a good analogy for what is happening to us when we fail To fulfill, even in one way, the love of the Lord. If we adulter, or if we have fornicatory thoughts, if we have lustful thoughts, or if we have hateful thoughts, if we avoid one, we have to avoid the other. So we have to constantly examine ourselves to see if we are loving everyone in every way. No one can boast. Everyone should be humble if they want to be exalted. And as the prophet said, especially Hosea, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is what the Lord desires and not sacrifice. So we have to put mercy at the forefront of what we do. The great Catholic, um, she's not a saint yet, but she's in the process of canonization. Dorothy Day had what she called houses of mercy, where Uh, I think they were also called houses of hospitality, where she would have houses of communal living, where she would constantly welcome in those with so called filthy clothes, those who are homeless, right? Um, Here, let's go to 14 to 17. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In the Ethiopian exegetical tradition, when there is one meaning for something, the exegetes usually say, "bull." When there are more than one meaning uh, to a single verse, they'll say, Andim, which means, And this also means, so daily food in our prayers of the Our Father, which we say also daily, is a reminder of more than one thing. At one level, it is the sustenance that we need to get us from day to day in a physical food. At another level, it is the instruction of the Lord that shows us how we should walk, how we should think, how we should speak, and how we should behave. And here... The Apostle Jacob is telling us that we cannot just walk up to someone, whether we call them a bum, a vagabond, or a homeless person, or how people are doing nowadays, people experiencing homelessness. It doesn't matter about the niceties that come out of our mouth. Those niceties are just that. They're things that stop at the lips. What matters is how we act. What matters is whether we're going to support that person in what they need whether we're going to clothe them and give them food so if we're worried when we give them money that they're going to purchase alcohol or cigarettes or other harder drugs we have to ask ourselves how many clothes have we provided them how many meals have we bought them how many groceries have we uh, purchased for them how many times have we sat and conversed with them and spoken with them and talked with them maybe they're religious have we read the scriptures with them Have we read the scriptures to them? Have we had them read the scriptures to us so that we may be blessed? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. Verses 18 to 24. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. and not by faith only. Here we see the folly of dogmatics and doctrine, especially of the Protestant variety. One of their five tenets or dogma or pieces of doctrine was in Latin, sola fide, faith alone. Here the apostle Jacob says, you cannot be justified. You cannot be declared righteous by God, by faith only or by faith alone, it is exactly diametrically opposed to the dogma or the doctrine that they tried to lay down. I went to a Lutheran middle school and I, I was able to study Luther, Martin Luther, in great detail at one of the original reformers and popularizers of the vernacular Bible. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I support that, that work that he did in some shape or way, but we need to always focus On the original languages and the original scriptures as they were accepted by the church he tried getting rid of the book of Jacob as did other people people try to pick and choose they think that the holy scriptures are a buffet to choose from but they are wrong you cannot commit a line item veto you cannot pick and choose you must eat everything I love it in Ethiopian culture When we have our mothers, our aunts, our grandmothers, and our grand-aunts who stand by the table after they have prepared the meal for us, and they watch us, and they wait for us to eat the whole thing. They don't let us pick and choose. They say, try everything. They don't say, oh, no, 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 you can't eat that. No, you try everything, and you eat it as they watch you. There's no escape. And in the same way, we must eat the scrolls of Scripture in their entirety. So we see how the doc the dogma and the doctrine of sola fide or faith alone is burst asunder by the plain spoken words of the apostle Jacob and we've got to either accept the apostle Jacob as scripture or we accept nothing in scripture. So we have to understand it's not about trying to pray Jesus in your heart it's not about Memorizing creeds and formulas, although that may be helpful in part of your spiritual formulation. It's about faith plus works. It's about your utmost trust. Trust to the upteenth degree. The highest level of trust. Superlative trust, which is revealed, which is uncovered through your works and through your actions. There are no ifs. There are no ands. And there are no buts about them. We have to get to work. And we'll see that in the end of the verses here in 25 and 26. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So if you want life, you need to have faith and works. And if you want to understand what the Apostle Jacob is talking about, like the Israelites would have here, you have to know that Scripture is the Older Testament and you have to know about Abraham and you have to know about Rahab. I'm going to assume most of you know a little bit about Abraham for now. And even that is probably a false assumption on my end. So go read about Abraham in Genesis. But I want to focus on the person who you may know a little less Rahab. Rahab is found in the scroll of Joshua, which is a part of the earlier prophets or the major prophets within the Old Testament scripture divisions. And we can find Rahab, especially in Joshua 2. And I want you to focus on verses 1 to 11, which in fact, I'll go ahead and read for you. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords, and as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you, for we have heard... profession or confession of faith that Jonah says later on in the Minor Prophets. It's an amazing declaration of the glory and the greatness of God and how he works in his creation or in his heavens and in his earth. This story in general has so much information that we could focus on. I'm here reflecting on my own Platonism and Neoplatonism and essentialism that used to trap me and ensnare me about how I used to think you can never lie or deceive anywhere. And here we have a situation where even lying is used functionally for the glorification of God. And that's a debate for another day. But here we have the great phrase that Father Thomas Hopko, a great man of St. Vladimir, used to always say, which is orthodox is paradox, orthodoxy is paradoxy. Rahab the harlot is justified. I'll say that again. Rahab the harlot is declared righteous. Those things seem like their intention. Those things seem paradoxical. And yet, what we learn in Joshua 2 here is that she trusted what she heard and she acted upon it. That's what we have to do with all of the holy scriptures. That is faith plus works. She trusted what she heard. And then she did something according to that. (laughs)